Blog Talk Radio. Last weekend was a little light, but it did prove that uh, even on a light week, Mexicans, Russians will fight, uh, as well as a, a guy well past his prime, uh, because that's just how boxing rolls. But let's get to it, man. There's a lot to talk about. Happy Monday. Yes, if you want to call in, 347-215-7598. We'll take your calls in about 25 minutes. If you want to join us on Twitter, Join in at Steve UC and live and at Gabriel underscore Montoya. We're on for at least 90 minutes, going all the way up to 9 p.m. Eastern time, if need be. And joining us once again for his regular segment, talking about the sales at the box office of the upcoming shows, Mr. KO Tickets, Jim Boone, joins us at the top of the first hour. Let's get started with round number one from Manchester, England. It is the semifinals of the Super Middleweight Tournament of the World Boxing Super Series. George Groves takes on Chris Eubank. Gabe, this event sold out locally in seven minutes. And it is highly anticipated, not just by the Brits, but I think by most hardcore boxing fans. I'm excited about this, and my assumption is there will be a stream in the U.S. Check your local listings or my Twitter timeline. Gabe? Groves-Eubank, I think this is a proving ground. If Eubank is for real, and he's really grown up like Rudy Huxtable, post-B.J. Saunders, I think he has to win this fight. And for George Groves, I think it's his last chance to really be the star he thought he was going to become pre-Carl Froch. That's well said. It's a a crossroads fight, no question. You know, can Groves really, yeah, like live up to the promise, kind of, uh, ha- have a great win and be a great fighter. Uh, and, and is Eubank, you know, is he the real deal? Uh, I, I think it, it's a hard fight to pick. I mean, it's really a, a pick em. Because you look at Groves, and he's got so much depth in his resume. Even though he lost uh, to Carl Frotch, got knocked out in front of 80,000 people, uh, it, you know, it, 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 he learned from those things. And I think back to him, the way he needs to be in this fight, very disciplined, he needs to be James DeGale. Uh, or you know, the way he was against James DeGale when he was like his, I think, 12th pro fight. DeGale was in his 10th, and uh, you know, they're both undefeated guys. It was a high-risk fight, and he was a, a disciplined guy, used his boxing skills, used his height and, and acumen, and didn't get crazy uh, to go for a knockout. That's not who he is. Uh, I think he needs to be that same measured, disciplined guy uh, and kind of tame Eubank in this fight in order to be successful. Gabe, George Groves is the natural 
super middleweight. He's the one that's been at 168 throughout much of his career. Eubank, I still get the sense, is a guy that just happened to outgrow middleweight and is now settling in. But, you know, Eubank, to me, I don't know what it is. He's a very polarizing figure. Uh, at the beginning of his career, he was kind of this curiosity, and then he took a lot of heat for losing his pen as he was about to sign the contract for Gennady Golovkin back in the summer of 2016. But, you know, sometimes a guy just sells you, and you buy into it. And, and again, I know in the first round of this tournament, it's not like he faced Nigel Ben or Steve Collins, but as I often say, it's not if you win sometimes, it's how you do so. I'm a believer in Eubank. I think he's coming into his own. He's grown up since the B.J. Saunders fight. He's matured, seems to have found himself as a fighter. And the one thing about Groves, has a lot of tools, good hand speed, technical acumen, solid fundamental skills. I don't know about his durability. He's been stopped. He's been buzzed. I'm going to go with Eubank to advance to the finals of the World Boxing Super Series, Gabe. Uh, there was an interesting interview up on uh, Boxing News Online uh, with Andy Lee, who sparred with Groves a ton, uh, but also has watched sessions, uh, extensive sessions between Groves and, and Eubank Jr. And he, his observation was that, that Groves would have to box well. He's picking Groves uh, and likes his experience, likes that uh, he knows that he can't get into exchanges, and that's the way he's going to lose. I tend to uh, agree with you. I, I, I go with Eubank Jr. I think he's just going to be too much for him. Uh, he's going to force Groves to want to get to the body. I think he can afford to make more mistakes in there, and I think he will because uh, Eubank Jr.'s technique I don't think is as solid as Groves, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think he's going to be, despite not being the, the true 168, he's the younger man, uh, I think the stronger man and more explosive fighter. I look for him to stop uh, Groves uh, uh, later in the fight, last three rounds somewhere. And he's also the fresher fighter, even though he has a yes. blemish. That B.J. Saunders fight, let's face it, neither guy went through the meat grinder. But while Eubank is faster and flashier, keep this in mind, George Groves has a very educated left hand. That jab is a very, very solid table setter. If he gets that thing going, I've always said about jabs, they have a way of re re evening out the deficit in athleticism and speed. A well-timed, well-thrown jab can make a lot of other advantages dissipate into the night. If Groves can establish that jab early, then it becomes a chess match. And, you know, the one thing about Eubank, he still isn't that great in deep waters. And as you mentioned, Gabe, George Groves might have three losses, but that's a sign of a fighter that's been well-tested against the likes of Badu Jack and obviously Carl yes. Frock. Sometimes a guy can overcome early setbacks and adversity and become better for it. The winner of this fight, in my view, not only advances to the finals, I think they firmly position themselves, with all due respect to Calum Smith, as the second biggest star, perhaps, on the U.K. scene behind the formidable shadow of one Anthony Joshua. Continuing on, Saturday night on Fox, it's the PBC, and yes, it's free! Sorry, had to do it again. Uh, I've missed it. Walter Waits in action. Crossroads, or is it the dead end, or is it the cul-de-sac? Devin Alexander takes on Victor Ortiz in a super middleweight feature. Caleb Sweethands Plant takes on Porky Medina. And leading off this telecast, bright prospect from the last Olympic Games, Carlos Balderas. Gabe, here's an interesting stat about both fighters. I'm not making a judgment, just reciting facts. Devin Alexander in 2015 had one fight. 
In 2016, he had no fights. Last year, Alexander had one fight. Victor Ortiz in 2015, 16, and 17 had one fight each calendar year. Do they need Gatorade or water in the corner or WD-40? Well, <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. It's like their annual appearance. I'm like, huh, they're coming out kind of early this year. Uh, is it going to be a long winter? Or, or, I don't understand. But, uh, you know, will we see them twice this year? And you look at them, and, like, I, I was watching both of them today, uh, their last fights, and, and Victor Ortiz looked just like a killer against uh, Saul Corral, but this guy was overmatched, and uh, you could see him bouncing all over the place. But, you know, I went back, and I was like, you know, what's Victor like against Southpaw? So I went back and watched the uh, Luis Colazzo fight where he gets blown out by a right hook uh, in the second round. Uh, you know, and it looked like the same Victor, a little bit tighter, but kind of bouncing around. He hasn't really changed much over the years. And so, you know, it's not even a matter of which Victor Ortiz is going to show up. It's just, you know, uh, what's Devin Alexander going to do about it? And his fight against Walter Castillo, I thought he didn't look too bad. He looked sharp for a guy that had been off for, I think, two years. Uh, I kind of lean towards Devin Alexander. I feel like he's more durable. Uh, he doesn't throw a, a ton of punches, but I just can't bet on Victor Ortiz. It's, it's an intriguing fight, though. Gabe, you kind of lean to Devin Alexander. Uh, I lean all the way to Devin Alexander, <laughs> like that big building in pizza, okay? Because the one thing about Devin Alexander, win, lose, or draw, you use that word durable. He's been outboxed. He's been outpointed. And yes. against Tim Bradley at the Silverdome that memorable night, he tapped out, no denying that. But he's never been shaken and rattled and buzzed and hurt and knocked down and hurt, where he's had to flat out say, I can't take anymore. And, again, I know it's just Walter Castillo, an aged veteran, carefully hand-chosen, but when I saw him in November, I I saw a guy, and I said, you know what? Alexander looked solid technically, and he looked well-preserved. Well, Victor Ortiz certainly blew out Saul Corral, but guess what? Saul Corral, that's exactly the role he was there to play. And if Victor Ortiz does not blitz Alexander early, the pattern has been very consistent throughout Ortiz's career. He starts to fade. He starts to capitulate. He starts to find ways out. And the viewpoint here is very simple. Devin Alexander has never been spectacular, but he's always been pretty steady, and I think he's just technically too sound. Gabe, I'm with you on Devin Alexander uh, in what I believe in many ways is a loser-leaves-town match. Gabe, Caleb Plant takes on Porky Medina. Caleb Plant is what I call a, a fancy fighter, and that's not always a compliment. Can he just get down to fighting and putting his nose to the grindstone just one time, please? That's that's the thing I want to see, you know. I mean, it, it, it's going to have to in this fight because Medina, you know, uh, despite his losses, he's always in the fight. He's always kind of grinding away, to, uh, to trying to win. Uh, I, you know, I watch Caleb Plant. I'm like, I can't decide if I like him or not. He doesn't really, if or if he's that good or is he just kind of a suspect, you know. Um, I tend to think he's, he's that. And, and so I, I, I'm intrigued by the fight because I want to see him really pushed. Uh, he can kind of get into a cruise control, like you said, just doing a little bit everything. But, but just, you mean, you just mean a lot of nothing? Yeah. You mean a lot of nothing? Because, Gabe, you know what it reminds me of? And you see this in playground basketball. It's that one little guard that has really great handles. He could really dribble the basketball, 
And the guy gets the ball at the top of the key, and he dribbles for like 30 seconds between the legs, between his head. He does all these tricks, spinning the ball, uh, you know, <laughs> left hand, right hand, through the legs 50 times. And everyone's just sitting around saying, okay, would you at least shoot the ball or pass the ball off? That's Caleb Plant. And then Sometimes he misses. there's a lot of nothing. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think he just needs to – maybe, you know, he felt something in there he didn't like. But I tell you, you know, I think Medina is going to get in there. He's going to uh, try to get to his body, try to pressure him, get to the ropes. And we're going to have to maybe find out, you know, the character of this guy. Yeah, and this is a bit of a barometer. When, when David Benavides, who's now a world champion, who we'll talk about in a few minutes, really opened some eyes, it was against Porky Medina. Again, it's not if you win, it's how you win. And for Caleb Plant, I expect him to win. I think he's too athletic, too fleet of foot, too quick. But, again, you're on national TV. Are you going to be the guy that at the end of however rounds this fight goes, whether it's 5, 8, 9, or 10, there's two ways to go here for Caleb Plant. You could be the guy that people say, ooh, when's he fighting again, or I never want to see him again. And I'll be honest. There have been too many times when I've seen Caleb Plant, and I go, if I don't see him for a while, I'm not going to care. Leaving an impression in this sport is absolutely vital. Moving on, it's showtime from the Mandalay Bay as we wrap up Boxing Palooza 2018. Your main event is Danny Garcia taking on Brandon Rios, and the co-feature, or the semi-main, is the rematch between David Benavides and Ronnie Gavril for the WBC 168-pound title. And an IBF title eliminator at 147, Ray, not that Robinson, takes on Jordanis Ugas. <laughs> Gabe, more facts from BoxRec.com. In 2017, Danny Garcia fought once, suffering his first career loss to Keith, literally one-time Thurman. And Brandon Rios, after not fighting in 2016, fought one time last year, stopping Aaron Herrera. Gabe, I've said this. I don't think it's a bad fight. I think it might end up being actually pretty good. But this is a fight that I believe needs a hot tub time machine because, let's face it, it's a lot better in 2010 or 11 than it is in 2018. Yeah, there's no question. Can can uh, everybody in the PBC, are they all trying to be nicknamed one time? I, I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> can they all share that? Uh, I, you know, it's not the greatest fight in the world. I'm slowly trying to convince myself that it's uh, better than it is. But, you know, you, you look at, uh, you know, Rios, and, and he looked kind of sharp to me in his last fight. Um, he got a guy out of there. He, you know, he, he did his job, but uh, it's like you said, it's how you do it, and, and you know, he, he stopped his guy and looked sharp doing it. Now, that was uh, June of last year. Uh, you know, he should have been fighting all these other fights. Like, I remember talking to Ann Wolf about Kirkland, how he'd take these long breaks, and she'd say, you know, he needs, you know, first I'm going to feed him some rabbit and some squirrel, you know, and then we'll kind of move up to elk and then maybe take on something that's actually dangerous. And, and these guys fight once and they think that's a rust remover. It's not a rust remover if you sit for another like six months and don't fight. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a placeholder. So I, I'm curious to see who's going to be sharper. Uh, what was Danny Garcia's offseason like? Did he get fat? Uh, did he uh, just leave the gym and not come back? How long has you know, he been back? Um, and, I, you know, I think Rios is a good fighter on the inside, maybe a better fighter, uh, technically. Can he get there? And how much damage is he going to take uh, while he heads in there? I think is key. Ah, Gabe, hmm. I want to believe 
Because I've always <laughs> liked Brandon Rios. Uh, I yeah. admire guys that stick their nose into a pile, but at the same time, with this less than Spartan lifestyle and some of his slovenly eating habits and lack of discipline, he's an old 31. And uh, we see this a lot where guys try to turn back the clock by suddenly being disciplined. And the one thing that I've learned is that when you evaporate your prime prematurely, there are no Daniel Ponce de Leon, and I don't mean the former 122-pounder. In other words, there's very few guys that actually discover the fountain of youth. And yes, he did look solid against Aaron Herrera, but again, as Chris Rock would say, you did what you're supposed to. Keep this in mind, game. The last time we saw Bam Bam Rios at the world-class level, he was actually being stopped by Tim Bradley, who offensively is not exactly Aaron Pryor. That might be more the version that currently exists of Brandon Rios than the one we saw last summer. But at the same time, you know what, Gabe? I I, I can see this. We don't know what Danny Garcia is right now, physically or mentally. Do you get the sense every time you hear him talk, as he spouts off these cliches and the usual rhetoric, that he's kind of just going through the motions as a professional prize fighter? You know, he's always struck me as a little to himself uh, as a fighter. You know, it's been a long time since I've interviewed him, but I, I watch, you know, uh, video interviews with him, and he is, he is kind of, it's like a detachment. Um, and I don't know if that's just him keeping himself private and, and not wanting to give away anything. Uh, he's like the polar opposite of his father who just, you know, uh, I, I actually haven't really seen much of him lately. Maybe there's a gag order, but, um, <laughs> yes, there is. Trust me. There is There's an embargo on him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Danny likes fighting. I, I don't think it's, you know, uh, uh, you know, a Joe Jackson and Jackson five kind of a situation, but, um, you know, the, the fact that there, that he doesn't push for more fights a year and then he didn't come back against Thurman, you know, uh, so you know, sooner. I, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's a great paycheck, or or that loss was pretty devastating for him. Or like you say, maybe he's disinterested, and that's why he lost in the first place. Uh, if Rios is in shape, uh, I think he he definitely wants some redemption. This could be a, a tough fight for for Danny Garcia. If Rios can take the left hook of Garcia early without being shaken up too badly, and he can march forward and then close the distance, then we have a fight. The way he reacts early on, because one thing, you say what you want about Danny Garcia. He has holes in his game. He's not a complete fighter. I think he's a little bit underdeveloped, undertaught. But he could bang with that left hook. He's very heavy-handed, and he has a way of just landing that left hook, whether he's looking at the target or not. That first left hook that lands on the chin of Rios, how he reacts to me, will be very, very telling. Gabe, do you get the sense in Benavidez Gavril that Gavril did the best he could in September and that this time around it will be more clear-cut for Benavides? I do. Yeah, I mean, I watched that fight again, too. And, and uh, you know, despite that knockdown that, that Gavril uh, scored in the last round, he observed a lot of punishment in those last few rounds. And, and uh, it's going to be like, you know, in Indiana Jones when the, you know, they're, they're in the truck and he throws the, the Nazi through the, the, the broken windshield, you know, and the guy just tries to grab and everything's already broken and he goes under the wheels. Uh, I, I expect Gavril to get stopped this time around uh, in the back end of the fight. Uh, 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 you know, Benavides is just a grinder. He's a bigger kid. He could really stand to use his, his size, uh, his reach a little bit more, but 
you know, that, that's, uh, I don't think he's going to change his stripes there. And it seems to be the Benavides thing. Let's be big for the division, but fight small. Uh, but he's just going to be too much. And, and he's going to, he's going to over, uh, overpower Gabriel this time around. Back on September 8th in their first meeting, Gabe, I thought Benavides won a competitive fight, but that was very, very clear, though. I thought Benavides was the superior fighter. He won the majority of the rounds, yet somehow it was ruled a split decision, and they've leveraged this into the rematch. I'll be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't exactly say to myself, wow, uh, I need to see this again, and I do think Benavides will establish his dominance even more this time around. Let's go to the mm-hmm. Twitter timeline again. If you want to call in, we'll be taking your calls in about 5 to 10 minutes, 347-215-7598. And, of course, we start off with the president, Andrew V. Kennedy. <laughs> what do you guys think of Aram and Top Rank selling the, quote, green card angle for Beltron again, uh, Gabe. I guess till he gets his immigration status worked out, they're gonna keep going to that card, man. They're just gonna keep pulling it out of their back pocket. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, well, other guys have have pushed their storylines. It's it's the, his storyline, you know, and 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 you know. Uh, uh, it's a boxing show, so we're not going to get too deep into politics. Immigration and people with you know uh, questionable status is a really big thing. Uh, my family, other, other uh, Latino families I know, uh, we're all talking about it. So I mean, I guess it's what's on his mind, and it, it's you know, when boxing's always been sold as a you know guy fighting to put food on his table or fighting for something. I, I think that's you know that's it, fine. It bother me, and, and maybe you know, it's Bob's a lawyer. Maybe he thinks keeping the guy's story out there. Uh, somehow protects him. Yeah, and according to Steve Fetter, the manager, they are still working diligently behind the scenes to secure Beltron's status as someone who can't stay legally in the United States of America. Here's a tweet from Corey R. looking at the landscape of boxing. What divisions do you think it would be easiest for the World Boxing Super Series to look to work to put together something as loaded as this year's cruiserweight tournament was. Gabe, there's a couple of divisions that come to mind, like featherweight, light heavyweight. But here's the issue. The reason why you could do the cruiserweight tournament was basically these guys were not a part of top rank or Al Heyman or Golden Boy, uh, organizations that say, hey, we don't need to do tournaments. We could just kind of do our own thing. I don't know if they're going to be able to strike lightning in a bottle like they did this particular tournament with the cruiserweight class. No, but, you know, imagine if Al Heyman took a lesson from the World Boxing Super Series and went, I want to make all the best fights in all the divisions I control. Uh, He could easily do this. It's, you know, you don't need to, like, bend the sport into into this, this format. It's just the fights are there. People need to make them. People need to work with each other. Uh, I think I just think the biggest impediment to the big fights is, is probably the networks, though. Uh, yes, they, uh, Gabe, I've said this for at least six years. While everyone wants to get rid of the sanctioning bodies and be their own ranking system, as they're the ones who are going to clean up the sport, I've said, wait a minute, that's completely misguided. Network alliances, exclusive contracts, and allegiances have kept more big fights from being at least delayed than sanctioning bodies. Sanctioning bodies, in theory, Gabe, want the biggest fights. They get a bigger cut of the pie. That's the last thing they want to do is have fights that don't have financial meaning to them. So, again, yeah. um, we see with Lomachenko and Linares, 
some of the issues cropping up again in this three-universe sphere of boxing that currently exists. Uh, let's see what else is on the tape. Oh, Easy Ed from the U.K. says, how scary will Gossiev be at 28? Yusek can't have as many holes in his defense as he has so far. Fight is more even than some think. Gabe, I don't disagree. I, 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 listen, I make Yusek the favorite. I don't make him the heavy favorite. No, I think it's, it's anybody's it's anybody's game. Uh, both guys, I, I think Usyk is maybe lacking in the power department uh, in this fight, or at least has less power, less one punch, you know, turn it around power. And Gossip shows you can, you can come on late. Uh, that's a, a beautiful thing to show right before and, and to know about yourself heading into a fight of this caliber, right? Uh, it, it's you know I kind of lean towards Gassiev in it. I, I just I Ooh. always like the power puncher, uh, the knockout mm. guy. And and Usyk, you know, his style he bets on his conditioning with all that movement. He bets that he can keep it up and and can, and can keep you honest with his power. What if he can't in this fight? This past weekend I was really bored and I watched the Gassiev fight against Isaiah Thomas. Uh, not the current Laker guard that just got traded to L.A., but the guy that was with TMT. Now, they fought, I believe, in December of 2015, if I recall correctly, on Spike. And that fight was ruled a no contest because Gossiev ended up hitting Isaiah Thomas just a split second after the bell, and the fight was waved off. And if you look at that fight, Gossiev knows how to attack a southpaw. He knows how to get his front foot on the outside, knows how to guide a guy into the left hook, knows how to cut off the ring. And, and I said to myself, you know what? That, that, was a, that was kind of a green version of Gossiev. Gossiev's a more well-rounded, confident fighter now. And again, I know Isaiah Thomas. He is not Alexander Usyk. But if you watch that fight, Gabe, it gives you some indication that Gossiev is not going to be a rudderless ship out there uh, just chasing Usyk. Uh, like a dog to a stick. Let's just put it that way. And speaking of Usyk, here's one from I Am Very Feel. With the possibility being issues with making Loma Linares, will Lomachenko actually wait until the winner of the Beltron fight if it didn't materialize? He's always been active. That would be a long layoff for him. Gabe, my understanding is, from Bob Arum, is that... Vasil Lomachenko, he's going to fight somebody May 12th. Part of this ESPN deal is about keeping the top-ranked guys busy and not being beholden to network gates. In other words, the situation where certain guys only fight once or twice a year because there wasn't room on the runway at HBO, that's not going to exist. And as Todd DeBuff said to me about the Gilberto Ramirez fight against the Bigfoot of Ghana, he said, Steve, we're going to advance a career. We know you guys don't like the fight, but Gilberto's got to get this year kicked off and build some momentum and keep his career developing. So the way I look at it, again, I don't know who's it going to be. I certainly prefer Linares, but there's an issue. Going once again back to the network alliances, I've been told by more than one person the problem with May 12th from Golden Boy's perspective, Gabe, is – that is going to be the HBO replay of Canelo Golovkin from the week before, and you can assume that HBO is going to give them a couple of live fights with the replay. So if you're a golden boy, if the other fight's going to be on ESPN, 
Do you really want to, in effect, counter-program yourself? No. Yeah, no. Uh, it's it's an understandable move, you know. What fight do you prefer? Linares. Let's do Linares. Let, let, I yeah. think that's the fight boxing needs. It's the one people want. Ray Beltron, you could stick in uh, an obligatory defense where he says, hey, I'm making a homecoming, or I get to say I'm a world champion. Um, and then let him fight in the second half of the year. But the Linares sure. fight to me, if you make that fight for that period of time, you're looking at a scenario game. In a two, three-week stretch, we're getting Canelo Golovkin, Gassiev Usyk, and then Linares Loma. you got to be King Mope if you have a problem with that type of schedule. That's a hell of a lineup right there. Yeah, the, no, 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 no. Now, I kind of like the Linares fight, and I don't think it'll ever be as good as it is right now. You know, that guy, uh, he hasn't been knocked out in a while. He hasn't been cut and lost. He hasn't folded. Like, get to him right now because you, you just can't bet on him to last much longer. Yes, 347-215-7598. And if you want to join us on Twitter, we'll take some more later, at Steve UCN Live and at Gabriel underscore Montoya. And, and again, in about 30 minutes, Mr. KO Tickets Jim Boone giving us the scoop on the ticket market for the upcoming shows. Gabe, let's get to the phone lines. All right. Uh, let's go with uh, the longest on, 917. You're live on the next round. Hey, good, evening, guys. good evening. Evening. How's it going, brother? Eric from Queens, New York. What's up? Eric, what's uh, going on? Hey, what's up? Chilling, chilling, brother. Uh, I missed you guys last week. I called up the line and it said uh, there was no show scheduled. So, sorry about that. Huh? No, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. What time did you call? Because, Gabe, if I recall correctly, we did a full two hour show last we Monday. We did. We were yeah, here. You yeah. did, yeah. But I don't know. I, I don't know what the heck happened, but whatever. I'm here now. Uh, oh, I'm glad. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I didn't get to talk about, since I didn't uh, hear from you guys last week, I didn't get to talk about the Gafiev's or Tegel's fight. Uh, dude, what a great fight, man. So far, fight of the year so far. And I just I just wanted to shout out real quick uh, Gafiev, how he executed his game plan to the T. I mean, in the, in the fifth round, when Gafiev landed that first shot that really hurt Dortico's, I found myself sounding like, like you, Steve. I was like, hmm. 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 <laughs> now, Eric, did, yeah. has Garcia's development the last two or three fights, how much of a shot do you give him against Usyk on May 11th? That, that, that's what you guys were just talking about earlier. I was I was 100% toward, leaning towards Usyk, but especially after this fight, I, I don't know. I really hmm. don't know. Yeah. You know the one thing, Gabe, that Usyk does that I believe is, is going to be a problem – he has a tendency to put on the earmuffs, put his hands up real high and square up his shoulders, and at times even back up into the ropes. I mm-hmm. think that is a death sentence against a hammer-fisted bulldozer like Murat Iron Gossiev. It's the last thing you need to be doing. He's a guy that will beat up your guard. He'll you know, come around it and, and attack the body where he can. Yeah, you don't want to sit still and, and let this guy work. You, you need to, to have your jab in his face and move. All night, walk him into shots, turn him. That's that's going to be the thing. You know, will uh, Usyk have enough gas to keep Gassiev off of him? Exactly. I mean, because he, he, I mean, he was. What I noticed also, he was real conservative with his punches and making them count, landing cleanly and sneaking hard punches behind the guard of Dortico's, just making every punch look like a highlight reel. 
but with that said, however, I want I wanted to give props to Dor- to Dortico's. He showed he has heart. He was eating Gavia's shots to, to the point that you had to think if Dortico's continues not being phased by these shots from Gafia, Gafia might be, you know, getting discouraged and fading mentally later on in the fight. And not only that, but uh, he was he was really trying to win Dortico's. Like he was he was a busier one of the two at least for the first half of the fight, and just showed balls to the very end when he went down and out of the ring. If you, if you notice, if you go back to that, he was pulling himself up by the ropes. So salute to that man for sure. Like, he just he really impressed the hell out of me. And um, uh, a qu- question for you guys about uh, Mikey Garcia. Uh, Steve, I think uh, you've had some back and forth with, with Mikey on his comments about <laughs> who he wants to fight. He wants to fight everybody. I'm surprised he hasn't called out Joshua. Uh, no, that's going to be next. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Eric, oh, again, uh, I have nothing personal against Mikey Garcia. My job is to make observations and, and state opinions based on facts and things that I know. But it's becoming a bit ridiculous when there's a clear pattern that he's only going to fight guys on the PBC side of the fence, which is fine. But as that old song from Aretha Franklin, who's zooming who, okay? <laughs> and then, then he has the temerity to say, okay, he's fighting at 140 now for the second time in a row, but he says at 135, I want Linares. Okay. And then he says, like two weeks later, or two weeks ago on my friend's show, well, by the end of the year, I want to fight Errol Spence at 147. Right. That's really? Like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about there, man. I don't know, but basically – I, I mean, I was gonna ask you. I was gonna ask you guys, who do you think is, uh, you know, is realistically would be his next fight, being that he get, gets past uh, Lipinich. Huh. Uh, huh. Yeah. A... And don't, don't take into consideration whoever he's calling out, because he's just off the wall now with, with the guys he's calling out. Yeah, uh, Gabe, who is there? Because if he wins the IBF 140, I, I just don't realistically see him moving back down to 35. I'm being told he was actually having some issues making lightweight, which is why he's fighting at 140. Um, I mean, I don't know if he'd want to fight Progre if Progre comes out, uh, you know, against Sandongo, uh, you know, victorious. Uh, but it's a, it's a possible fight because he's not really tied to any one universe. He seems to be more, uh, you know, PBC-centric. I think he's with uh, uh, Ludabella. So maybe that fight, but I, I don't think Mikey takes Lipinitz and goes straight to a dangerous fight. Yeah, again, risk versus reward. I like Progre. Right, right. I think Ruguru is a real talent. But if you want to start talking about risk versus reward, which is something that Mikey Garcia likes to navigate, does that really make sense? No, no, it's not going to happen. Uh, it's a fight I'd like to see, but you know, it wouldn't be next. I don't see him doing anything dangerous. And you look around 140, though, if he stays there, how much excitement is there? That That's the action there, uh, soon to be, I think. Oh, I got it. I got it, guys. The winner of Rancis Bartholomew Kill Relic, which is for the vacant WBA title. Huh? That's the other isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, it's a perfect wow. setup, Eric. Oh, yeah, I think you hit yeah. You just guessed it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. That's a terrible <laughs> option. I didn't want to think of it. God. <laughs> well, I did. Yeah, oh, enjoy. Uh, Eric, right, anything? Guys, well, appreciate it. I'll right, uh, talk to you guys next week. All right, Eric, day. thank you very much. 347-215-7598, Gabe. Uh, let's go 313. You're live on the next round. <laughs> 
Hello? Or not. Hello? 313? Nope. Hola. All right, fine. Uh, 347, you're live on the next round. Hello? Yes. Hello. Oh, hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Doing well. Thank you. All right. So, um, so question. Um, I know you guys didn't really, like, touch on it at all. It's kind of like a, a crappy fight. But um, how do you guys kind of feel about – two-part question. How do you guys feel about Devon Alexander versus Victor Ortiz? Like I said, crappy fight. I expect um, Devon to win. But also, my next question would be, how do you guys feel as Devon as, like, where do you see him at the welterweight division? Like, I think he could really be actually a really good player. Well, we both actually did touch on it, and we are both picking Devin Alexander. We think he's a little bit too sturdy, fresh, and solid for Victor Ortiz. You know, but I get the sense. I mean, again, do I think he'll ever be an elite welterweight currently in 2018 and beyond? No, but Gabe, I, I think he fits in as a well-known name opponent B-side. That's the thing. He could be a gatekeeper. I mean, you know, and, and matched right on the right night, he could he could be a title holder again. He looked pretty serviceable. We'll find out in this fight, you know, what he's got. If if Victor, you know, he's still looking at his last fight against it was, you know, Saul, Saul you know, Corral. He still had functional speed. He's got you know, pretty quick hands, straight punches. Uh, obviously, he's got power that if he catches you right he can knock you out uh, at 47. And so, you know, Devon's going to have to be uh, technically very sound in this fight uh, defensively. Um, But he's also got to push Victor back. It's not going to be an easy fight for either guy. I mean, you know, that shot that Louis Collazo caught Victor Ortiz with is a real class punch that dude didn't see. And and it was also because he was facing a southpaw and, and maybe Devon can catch him with that right hand and, and uh, throw Victor off. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to beat Victor Ortiz, and I'm, I'm curious to see which one uh, Alexander uses. <laughs> so, the person I kind of wanted to touch on was um, Danny Garcia. Like, I love him. I really do. I really, really love him. You're the one, huh? He doesn't really look to me, though. Like, he, he, he doesn't really seem like a guy that really wants to step up. And, you know, like, he'll say on TV or he'll say on the Internet, like, you know, I'll fight anybody. But I don't really get the sense that he'll fight anybody. So, like, I guess my question to you guys would be, like, who would he, he – I don't think he could really beat anybody that's really in the top five in the division. So, like, where exactly does he kind of fall? Like, you, you really can't name somebody in the top five that you can, like, legit beat. Hmm. Hmm. I, I, think, I think Danny would fight anybody, but I think he knows that it's not really his choice who he fights. And that's why when he says it, it sounds empty, if that makes sense. Because it's like, yeah, I'll fight anybody, but I really don't have a plan for who that could possibly be. Exactly. <laughs> the subtext that you're hearing, you know. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't pick him against Errol Spence Jr. And I, you know, um, Rios might. No one would him. game. <laughs> no, no one would. Let's be honest. But, well, but in all fairness, anybody? how many welterweights would you pick over Errol Spence? The question is, how would he fare against Sean Porter? Or Terrence Crawford. Yeah, you know. Hmm. Can he beat anybody in the top five legitimately? Don't you think? I'm looking at the top five right now. Yeah, let me let's <laughs> look at the ratings. I mean, I mean, if, if uh, I think on the top of my head, he's not going to beat Thurman. He's not going to beat Porter. He's not going to beat Spence. Um, Cavaliscus? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> That'd be an even <laughs> okay, How about this? How about the current version of Manny Pacquiao? Nah. 
Uh, Jamal Jamal Pacquiao, huh? Interesting. Uh, Jamal James? Who? Jamal James? Who the hell is that? Big <laughs> guy out of Minnesota. He's actually not bad, but very untested. I mean, I, yeah, listen, yeah, they're yeah. not making that fight, you know. But I'm no. the top five, though. Like, he, he, he's top five in the top. WBA, that guy. Ah, uh, oh, come on. Yeah, well, the BA's never been exactly our guide. So well, we really to be fair, they've got 15 number fives. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, like I said, like, I really like the guy. I just find, like, it really kind well, of... how about this? All right. Who would you take right now? Danny Garcia or Jesse Vargas? Man, that is a good-ass question right there. <laughs> I yeah, Danny you know what's Garcia. funny? Keith Thurman doesn't want any part of Jesse Vargas I'll right now. I'll, I'll, I'll take Danny Garcia, but I'm not going to lie. Vargas is terrible. <laughs> Vargas is he's, he's, well, he's not terrible. Listen, no one said, no one said he was you, yeah, modern-day Carlos Palomino. I don't know if he's terrible. Would you put him in the top ten? Yeah. You will put him in the top ten? Uh, bottom part of top ten, yeah. I, yeah, I actually I would. would. Wait, I would. Wait, 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 wait. You think you'd be – we can't beat Berto. He can't be Berto. Oh, I disagree. Oh. Berto, this is not 2009. Come on. Oh, man. I, yeah, I yeah I'd, I'd pick him against Berto. Uh, all right, but Kim, since you asked the question, would you take, who would you take, Vargas or, or Danny? Because I said I'm taking Danny. I would, too. I'd take Danny because I think he's got heavier hands, but I think it's a relatively close fight. That says a lot about Danny right there. But anyway, thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> All right, no problem. Uh, three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. And Gabe, speaking of Manny Pacquiao, I'm hearing that this whole thing about April fourteenth, that doubleheader with Terence Crawford, Jeff Horn, and Pacquiao mm. fighting Mike Alvarado. There's some issues that Manny Pacquiao may not want to go to New York because the taxes. Yeah, that's always been uh, his his deal with New York, right? He doesn't he doesn't want to fight there because of it. So. And I've said this, uh, he ain't Floyd Mayweather, but in many ways he is Money Pacquiao. He's just as much a mercenary <laughs> as anyone else. And I've said for at least a year he's overstayed his welcome. And I heard there's actually talk of shifting that whole show back west to Vegas. So stay tuned for details, Gabe. Hmm. You know, and hmm. and. You get used to being treated a certain way, and just because the numbers dwindle, I, I don't imagine that feeling goes away. Um, seven seven eight, you're live on the next round. Seven seven eight. Hey guys, uh, can you hear me? Yes, yeah. yeah, loud and clear. Hi, sorry guys. Uh, James calling from uh, Vancouver, BC, in Canada. First time caller, guys. Oh. Love your show. Huh. Yeah. Thank and, you. Uh, I want to talk about the Eubank and Groves fight. Um, it, I kind of think of it like before I started thinking about the Dorticos versus Gassia fight. I don't know who to pick. You know, it's a 50-50 fight because all the opponents that Eubank had were tailor-made for his style. You know, come forward, guys, the Yildirims, the, you know, the Abrahams. But Groves is a mover, you know? Like, he counter-punches. So I'm, I'm having a difficult time picking who, mm-hmm. who the winner is going to be. But then again, I don't know – how the mentality grows is with, I mean, his Badu Jack loss, his Farach loss. Like he 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 tends to fade in later fights. Like no, he does. I think he's a little bit shot. So, Ooh, yeah, yeah, shot's a strong word, but he's never been that durable. Um, if he gets That's his sure. long jab going, you could neutralize a lot of that 
fast, flashy stuff that Eubank likes. That's the, the beauty of a jab. It's so simple. It's so fundamental. It's also very effective when employed, employed effect, when it's employed um, adroitly. And one thing about George Groves, I've always said, he is a very good, solid, sound boxer. Yeah, and, and he's, he's faced, like in DeGale, a, a puzzle before, a guy that's, that's kind of more athletic, uh, a little more cagey. But, you know, Doug Fisher talked about him fighting uh, kind of tense or kind of like, like in distress at times, and kind of burning himself out. And I think that's really the key here is that has he uh, kind of conquered that? Has Groves learned how to fight in a relaxed manner and a disciplined manner, like which are you know to be disciplined? You could still fight kind of tight and burn yourself out. Can he stick to the game plan and just win one round at a time and not take too much damage? That's going to be the key. Yeah, and I think if he fights the same strategy as Billy Joe Saunders did, he might actually win this fight. Like he, if he chooses to box and move and not stay stationary, because I think that's the key. Now, being yeah, in but, Canada, uh, you get to watch this on TV, right? The uh, I might have to stream it, but I don't. We don't have any channels that has this, honestly. Really, I thought Canada got it. Okay, maybe certain parts do, or yeah. maybe it's a certain network. I'm a cord cutter, right? So I'm not really. Ah, okay. Uh, there you I have go. Cable, anyways, right? This is this is the streaming generation, so. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, gotcha. Speaking of the Danny Garcia fight, oh, the Danny Garcia versus uh, Brandon Rios fight, I completely agree with you, Gabe. I think Brandon Rios took a lot of punishment in his last couple fights that I don't think he can recover from. He's really he's looking really soft to the body, so I'm thinking Garcia stops him with body shots. But then he's again, always, I, I, you know what though? He's always you know, looked that way. He, he's he like again, as I like to say. He's he's not a guy that would ever have made the cover of Muscle and Fitness or Flex magazine, but residual damage is irrevocable. And I've always said about Rios and guys like Fernando Vargas before him, Chris Ariola, they don't understand that youth is wasted on the young. You only get one physical prime, and once that runs out, you're playing catch-up the rest of the time. You know, yeah. they find religion a little bit too late. It's interesting, though. I mean, he, you know, like Devin Alexander, he took two years off, you know, uh, lost to Tim Bradley. Then he uh, it was at uh, uh, November 2015. He comes back June 2017. And he and he stops Aaron Herrera, who's, a, you know, a serviceable guy um, uh, who could win on any given night, but usually doesn't. But uh, it got him to the body. And I'm thinking, you know, Garcia's or Rios rather, he's had uh, several fights at welterweight and knows what the top level is. Uh, you know, will that serve him well? Did he, uh, like Dave Duenas was telling me, he thinks he needed the rest and that he's refreshed a little bit, even though he's got that residual damage. You know, he could be have one last hurrah. I think it's, you know, they're, they're interesting matchups like the Alexander Ortiz and and this one uh, that could surprise us and give us a little more action than we're used to. Or yeah. Than we're expecting. All right. Listen, we got to get going. Thank you for the call. Uh, 347-215-7598 at the top of the hour. Mr. KO Tickets, Jim Boone, will be joining us on the championship hotline to talk about the ticket situation uh, going on in the sport of boxing. Gabe? 530, you're live on the next round. Good evening, Gabe. Steve, ringside Robert here. Um, Good evening. 
This is uh, PBC weekend galore, and yet the best fight that's going to happen this weekend is not on United States TV. Um, I just, you know, sometimes I just wonder about these things. You've got Fox doing a time buy. That's how we're able to see Devin Alexander, Victor Ortiz. And then you got Showtime paying for the uh, Danny Garcia uh, fight with Brandon Rios. Uh, I think both of these fights, frankly, should be loser leaves town. Um, and I, I agree with all your selections as far as who you think is going to win on, on all the fights. But, God, this is awful. I, is it because Richard Schaefer is involved that the WBC is, is not on United States TV? Um, that seems to be the theory. Uh, and Gabe has certainly made that very clear. And I've talked to other people. Gabe Oppenheim last week or a week or two ago, touched on that subject at length. Listen, when you have personal relationships with strategic partners, part of cultivating that relationship is not alienating them. And I think logically that if you do business with Richard Schaefer at at HBO, that's not going to necessarily please Oscar De La Hoya. No, that's true. That's true. And look, what he did to Oscar is despicable, deplorable, and... Yeah, I'm really surprised he's allowed to be in the sport of boxing. I mean, uh, you take advantage of somebody when when they're down, but then you get weekends like this where we get fed all kinds of Al Heyman crap, and uh, the best fight on the best fight on the calendar is not on TV. Um, well, in a way, though, uh, you know, Groves and Eubank Jr. Is, is on a lot more channels than the other fights. You know, uh, it's on Twitch. It's probably yep. going to be on Periscope, Facebook Live, uh, and probably a few of the other uh, ways that you can stream it. Uh, you know, radio it's, networks. Yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> like the last couple said, it's, it, and Steve Kim's, you know, or Stream Kim, as he's known to his friends, uh, you know, it, it's kind of the way we all consume things now. I love it and, when, uh, when you we, ask somebody, and, and uh, you can, if you want another website uh, where the fight's going to be, because we're going to stream it at RingsideReporter.com, and that's where I go. that's where I do my podcast. So it'll it'll be up there also. Um, All right, we're we're, we're going to have it up there. So, but uh, no, uh, um, and how many? Uh, Steve, is this the last time by that we get stuck with with the PBC, or we got more of these coming? You know, I really don't know, but what I do know from what I've been told by good sources is, is that this particular card on Saturday on Fox is part of the original contract slash deal going back to the original format of the PBC. Okay, okay. Uh, look, uh, as far as uh, as far as either one of these, how about? I don't know if this would be possible, Steve, but since I kind of view this as loser leaves town for both of the guys that lose, <laughs> how about how about matching up a fight with the two winners, say Danny Garcia and Devin Alexander? I mean, uh, somebody was asking, well, what would Danny do next? Well, how about that fight? That If, if, if they're going to be relevant, why don't they fight each other? Because, frankly... The WBC has made this a mandatory a, a, a title eliminator, and I don't see how that's possible. Uh, Danny already lost to Keith. Uh, why why should this be an automatic title eliminator? Uh, after he beats Rios, he should fight Devin Alexander and show people that he's really interested in fighting instead of uh, taking a year between fights. It's not the worst idea. I, I can't disagree with that, but... Again, for some reason, they don't listen to us over there. 
No, and of course that's why I don't like Premier Boxing Champions. I'm uh, I can't wait for Superfly. I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll just be honest. But the ESPN card on Friday, I'm not too excited about, and I'm not really excited about the cards on Saturday. I hope I'm proven wrong in all three cases. Anyway, that's all I got, guys. I'll see you next week. Okay, Robbie. As always, thank you for the call. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, who's next? I guess he's not a big fan of uh, Tony Harrison versus uh, Jorge Cota. Uh, mm. <laughs> I wonder why. Uh, five eight five. Mm, on the next round. It'll be a good highlight reel. Five eight five. Hey guys, on Jake from Rochester. What's Jake, up, what's going on? What's up? Um, um, we got a pretty big uh, weekend of boxing, like ringside. Robbie just said. Um, really, the only fight I'm looking forward to is. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I guess not the only. I'm looking forward to Eubanks and, and Groves. But the domestic fight that I'm looking forward to is the Ray Beltran fight. I mean, you know, you just want to see a guy like that, you know, the whole story about his, you know, legal status here and everything. You, you want to see some guy like that succeed and, and you know, and, and flourish. But, uh, um and I just hope that we don't see him in the ring with Lomachenko next. Uh, I, I think everyone wants to see the Linares fight, and that leads to, you know, my question: um, Is is the holdup regarding this in any way connected to Matisse um, fighting Pacquiao? You know, maybe as that that's like a a throw in in order for Golden Boy to make this fight. Is that? Any part of it at all? No, no, not at all. Not at all. That's too bad. <laughs> I, I, do you, what, what, what percentage, uh, if you were going to give a percentage, what, what, what percentage would you say that the fight Loma Larnaris will get made on for me? Uh, I think it's 50-50. I know there's been an offer. The problem is I think top rank Instead of going to Mr. Honda of taking promotions, they got to go directly to Golden Boy. Um, hmm. I know there's been a financial offer made, and I, from the numbers that I've been told, they're kind of in the ballpark. But again, they've got to deal directly with Golden Boy. And the May 12th dynamic with the HBO rebroadcast of Canelo Golovkin and the ESPN show probably going right up against it, I'm being told is an issue. Steve, um, are they not talking directly to Golden Boy in these negotiations? And from what I've understood, that they are talking to Mr. Honda, not Golden Boy. Why, why are they doing this? Boxing promoters are like fucking children. Well, fucking call Golden Boy and make the goddamn huh? fight. What the fuck's wrong with it? I don't know. I'm angry. I, listen, there's up. no need to kill the I, – I only report on the business. I, I, I don't make any of the decisions, Jake. I don't know what to tell you. How many Fortune 500 company CEOs go, you know what? You know, f- fuck that guy. I'm not calling him and make a deal that's going to benefit my company greatly. Like how no. many businesses operate like that? That's fucking crazy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what to tell you. I, listen, <laughs> I hope they get the fight made. I think both of them need this fight, Linares and, and Lomachenko. And, and in terms of the ESPN deal, listen, that first show of 2018, I would hope that that is the floor 
and not to ceiling. Um, you know, the show coming up this Friday, I don't think is all that much better, although I think it'll provide some action. The March 10th and March 17th shows, I really like. That's the type of standard they should be having. And Loma Linares is the type of fight that I would hope that they could secure on a regular basis on ESPN. Thanks, Steve. I apologize for swearing so much. Oh, no, don't worry about it. It's a boxing show, man. It's all right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else, Jake? No, I'm good. Thanks, guys. All right, Jake, thank you very much. Uh, We can probably take one more call before Mr. Boone joins us. Uh, all right, let's go 805. You're live on the next round. Hey, guys, what's up? It's me. Hey, what's up, Nacho? What's going on? Hey, what's going on? Nothing much. Um, as far as the uh, fights this weekend, um, I liked uh, seeing Burchell blow out this Ghanaian dude, Awuku, or I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Um, but he did his job as far as the fact that the guy was a last-minute replacement and he didn't let the guy gain any confidence, although I was starting to wonder if he was going to get him out of there because the first couple of rounds, uh, he looked like he actually might put up a fight up until the third round where uh, Burchell finally just stopped being uh, cautious and uh, hit him with a couple of really hard rights, and then as soon as he did that, the fight was over. Um, Munguia looked good. Uh do you honestly think he can stay at 54 long, though, Steve? I, I'm kind of starting to wonder. He's such a huge guy at 54 that I'm wondering how long he can make 54. Yeah, listen, that's his job as a pro to be disciplined. My understanding is, in talking to Fernando Beltran, the head of Zanfer, they want to get him with an American promoter in an American gym and facing faster, more athletic fighters because they know at 54 to 60 – you are going to be facing some real athletes. In other words, not just slow Mexicans and plotters. So they know what they yeah. have to do. Okay, that's good. For sure, if he could stay at 54, I would love to see him fight Jared Hurd. If Hurd sticks Ooh, around what a fight enough. that would be. What a yeah. fight that would be. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a really good fight, I think, for sure. Um, the uh, the And as far as the um, cards this weekend... Uh, I'm kind of with you guys. I'm not really all that enthralled by either PBC card. Uh, I'm picking Alexander to uh, beat uh, Victor pretty uh, probably late. I'd say he probably stops him in eight or nine. Uh, and then as far as the other fight, um, I, I, I'm i not a fan of Garcia, but I just think he has more left in the tank at this point than Brandon Rios does. Brendan Reels say whatever he wants about actually being in shape and caring about, you know, doing his job. But I think it's too little too late. And I think he puts up a decent fight, but I think Garcia probably beats him. Uh, I think he probably wins a decision. I don't think he'll stop him, though. I think he goes the distance. Um, and then the other uh, the other card, uh, I'm uh, with Medina and Kayla Plant. I... Uh, uh, I was uh, talking to somebody the other day, and uh, I made a comment on a video that Caleb Plant put up about how he loves to eat, sleep, and drink boxing, and that he's ready for anything Porky Medina brings to to the table on Saturday. And I actually made a comment on there saying that Caleb Plant should be Porky Medina because he's fighting the ghost of Porky Medina, 
especially after the beating he took from David Benavides. And I didn't expect him to actually say anything about it, but he actually ended up responding and he said he liked my comment, <laughs> hmm. which I found kind of funny. Yeah, I didn't expect him to respond, but he actually said, but in, in reality, I was actually kind of saying it like, dude, you're fighting somebody who doesn't have much left. You should win. It was kind of like an insult. It was kind of like an insult, and he took it as like a good thing, which was kind of weird. But okay. And um, the other fight, uh, I like Benavides to be uh, Gavril. Gavril's a decent fighter, but I just don't think he's that much better than Benavides. I think Benavides is the one who has a better uh, upside. I think Gavril's about as good as he's going to get at this point. And I just don't see him beating Benavides, especially when Benavides says that he actually hired uh, Alex Ariza to help him make weight for this fight. So I think he'll be in better shape, and he should <laughs> be able to uh, take out um, Gabriel in this fight. Um, there was a there was one thing uh, I was going to ask you guys, because, um, Steve, I know you wrote the article today, and uh, I commented on another uh, podcast the other day about it about Roy Jones and his uh, reign at uh, super middle at middleweight and super middleweight. And the person who brought it up always felt like uh, Roy Jones kind of left like an incomplete legacy in those two divisions. And his co-host said, not really because he was the, the number one guy in those divisions and nobody who was in those divisions could touch him. But my whole argument was that I always felt like he avoided fights against uh, Steve Collins, uh, Mikulczewski, Frank Lyle. There's a lot of guys. I mean, again, I thought he started the whole trend of the hypothetical victory of, well, why does he have to face him or he'd beat him anyway? To me, uh, Jonestown was not a cult uh, that I enjoyed. Let's just put it this way. Those those folks absolutely drank the Kool-Aid. Nacho, we got to get running. Thank you for the call. Thanks. Gabe, let's look for the number. You know which one to search out. Now joining us on the championship hotline. We have a string of shows coming up the next, what, five, six, seven weeks, and getting the scoop from the box office, a valuable source to all of our listeners, Mr. Jim Boone. Gabe, Uh, is he up there? He is. He's uh, from from the shot at Jonestown to Jim Boone. Uh, Jim, are you there? Yes, I am. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing? Jim, have you thought out from that oh, week in Minnesota at the Super it Bowl? Was, <laughs> it was uh, very cold, especially at about uh, 7.45 on Sunday morning. It was a solid uh, minus 22, and the wind was not blowing. So it was uh, good times uh, in Minnesota, to say the least. Now, Jim, did you just hang out in the Mall of America all six, seven days there? Uh, no. I, uh, okay. You know, it's a typical Super Bowl. You're kind of stuck in your uh, – in the office working, uh, it, it was a very good Super Bowl. I did good on it. The one problem with uh, Minneapolis, excuse me, outside the weather, and this is not a knock on the city, just the lack of hotel rooms. People do not realize how many rooms the NFL actually books up themselves. So mm-hmm. the lack of hotel rooms just made things extremely spread out where that downtown area was basically impossible to be in. I was lucky enough to have a room down there. But it was just kind of a cluster, uh, just a mess with uh, with the rooms. But all in all, the, it, it, it was good minus the weather, and certainly it was a very exciting game, especially for the Eagle fans that wanted it so bad. Now, Jim, let's get to the stuff that we want to touch upon. 
So is it safe to say that Rios Garcia at the Mandalay Bay is not selling as well as the Super Bowl? Uh, yes, that would be a fair assessment. We'll see how it goes this week with the fight. It's been a bizarre promotion, uh, to say the least. You know, they originally scaled it for the entire building, which seemed pretty aggressive. Um, on top of that, they have it priced from 50 to 500, which seems a little bit uh, ambitious. And now it's, you know, they still haven't flexed the prices down, but they've closed half the room. Now they've closed the upper level. Now they got sections to shut down. I don't know if it's the promoter. I know it's extremely difficult dealing with Mandalay Bay, not that the box office there doesn't do a good job because they, they are good workers. They do a good job. But they have to deal with AXS, and, you know, I've said many times, that ticketing company is, is complete dog shit. They're horrible. So I know a lot of times the box office is handicapped because they can't do any, they can't make any changes. If the promoter says, you know what, guys, we need to flex the prices or we need to close sections, you know, the box offices can't flip the switch. they got to wait for somebody else, and it's, it, it's a mess. Um, anybody that wants to go to the fight, and I'll be there myself uh, as a fan. It should be a lot of fun. Just go to the box office direct. Do not buy them online. Don't spend the service fees. Go directly to the Mandalay Bay box office. By the weekend, I think there's a good shot. They're going to flex the prices. And at the very least, you're not going to pay the service fees. So there's absolutely no reason to buy early on this. If you want good seats, uh, there is a company who I'm not familiar with. Um, I looked them up. It's kind of funny. They're actually uh, a, a combination between ticket brokers and, and, and get this uh, former executives from Barclays Center. So go figure. They have a bunch of good huh. size under under face value. So they've uh, things uh, they don't they don't they don't change. So there are good seats available actually on like StubHub, um, and they're they're great seats under face value right now. So it, it it's interesting uh, dynamics once again. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, I know you've been bullish on Superfly, which takes place February 24th at the Forum, Jim. Yes. Very, very hot ticket. They're getting uh, very close to being a complete sellout of the lower level. As far as I understand, the only seats that are held back now or not haven't gone on sale are stuff that, is, that are with the teams. I mean, obviously, with the four, you know, the four main fights you got, you know, all kinds of camps involved, a couple from Mexico, Argentina, Ukraine, Hawaii, hmm. uh, what else, uh, Thailand, the Philippines. So I believe the only seats we're going to come that come out are going to be free are going to be released by the camps, what they don't take. So as far as fans, uh, it's getting extremely thin for the 30 and $60 tickets. They are still available at Ticketmaster. As we talked about before, you're paying a service fee, but you're not going to pay the um, – the facility fee, which is absorbed by uh, 360 Promotions. And if you strike out there, give me a call direct. I will have seats for the fight. I'm working the fight. I actually will be in Los Angeles next Wednesday and uh, being set up there the whole way through at uh, Weston at the airport, the team hotel. Gabe? Uh, do you have an update on uh, that You know, double card Saturday, uh, March 3rd? Uh, we've got uh, you know Deontay Wilder facing Luis Ortiz at the Barclays Center on Showtime, and at the Garden uh, on HBO you got Kovalev uh, versus a guy and uh, Bivol Barrera. How are those doing? As far as the card at the Garden, it, it's certainly doing better than the last uh, card that main events put on there. Uh, seats are still available. They priced it a little bit less, but it looks like there has been some movement, and it's definitely Bivol Barrera which is uh, driving that market. As far as at the Barclays Center, uh, there's a lot of seats still available. You know, that being said, 
you know, as Steve likes to say, uh, belts matter. I say opponents matter, and Ortiz is a great opponent. So I think that fight will sell very, very strong the week of. I mean, there's certainly going to be tickets available, and, 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 you know, they always really seats at Barclays. I mean, nothing's going to change. But I think overall that card will, will perform. I think it's going to do real good. Um, and also, uh, how uh, palpable was Tom Brady's sadness in person? <laughs> <laughs> Just really curious. I was I was on the Eagle side, so I was just enjoy, you know I got a lot of a lot of friends from Philadelphia, and <laughs> so I was just enjoying th- their reaction. You know, I was actually the first Super Bowl I ever went to was when uh, Brady won it for the first time uh, uh. in uh, New Orleans after 9/11. So I was there for that. And, oh, don't I mean, bring this up to Gabe. Oh. Don't bring oh, this. You're gonna you ruin Gabe. Gabe shot for the show oh. now. Gee, thanks, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now, Booney, you told me an interesting story via text that you were on, uh, you were at the Super Bowl on Saturday. We're watching Gilberto Ramirez and uh, Herman Alcas. Now, the ratings on ESPN, they were what they were. I think they peaked at 741, which is not a great number. But Hmm. you witnessed something interesting at the sports bar that Saturday night. we're at a pack bar. Now, keep in mind that most of the people are from Philadelphia, so there is, you know, Philly fans, I think they have a little bit of boxing in them, uh, just the history of the city. But obviously on ESPN, before the boxing came on, it was college basketball. Can't remember the games. No one was really paying attention. And uh, opposite, they had uh, the NFL was doing, I believe, the Walter Payton Awards, which in a pack bar is great to watch, but you can't hear anything. So what's the point of watching the speech when the volume's off? When the boxing came on, especially with the first round of the opening bout, and Jerwin uh, got the knockdown and, and uh, the kid came back, I mean, I just watched the crowd and slowly more and more people as they talked at the bar, they're kind of turning themselves towards the televisions, and uh, they, they were definitely watching the fight. And it was just sitting there, and I'm like, this is great because you don't have to stream. You know, they would had a Showtime card, I believe, on that, uh, Friday, which yes. I couldn't get because I, w- I was running around. So just being able to go to a bar, the first bar we saw, I'm like, the fight's going to start. Let's jump in here, packed house. And next thing you know, on the big stream, we're watching boxing. So that is truly uh, part of the magic of the, uh, the deal that Top Rank has with ESPN. Moving forward, March 10th is a show that I certainly am looking forward to at the StubHub Center. Scott Quigg, Oscar Valdez, and Jim, you're a little bit surprised. That, that show is not moving as well as you thought thus far. It's. I, I honestly think it's just that we have to let uh, Superfly, you know, let that show go, and then this thing will start to catch fire. But right now, I mean, as far as my projections and the investment I made in the show, it, it's definitely behind where I thought it would be. That being said, with Valdez, you know, I, I'm a I'm a firm believer in what he brings to the table. You know, Scott Quigg is a big name, and the fact of the matter is, once the buyers come out for the StubHub Center in uh, in Southern California it can get rocking and rolling very, very fast. So I'm not concerned about it, but it certainly seems like at this point it's being overshadowed by Superfly, and I think that's more just the reality of the date uh, more than anything else. But that's going to be a great show, and I'm, I'm happy to hear the, uh, the heavyweight uh, Garcia's on the card. So that, that, should, be, that should be good for uh, everybody involved. Yeah, Andy Ruiz. Andy oh, Ruiz. He'll, yeah, he'll Andy be Ruiz. fighting Devin Vargas. I've been seeing him at the Legends Boxing out there in Norwalk. Uh, let me go again, Gabe. Uh, March 17th, St. Patty's Day, at the Madison Square Garden. Now, is that a sure thing like it was last year in your view? I, I believe so. I hope so. <laughs> I, 
I've definitely uh, I've definitely taken a shot on the show. Um, I'm just excited to be back in New York for that weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Once again, Top Rank has loaded up the card. As we discussed the last time, it is kind of the swan song between uh, Mr. Bob Aram and Don King doing their back-and-forth promotion. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Right now the show is selling good. I've actually taken a lot of orders over the phone. Uh, people that have gone to the show last year when it was uh, the night before the Triple G uh, Jacobs fight. So I think it's going to do good. They priced it right. The theater is a great place to see a fight. And, I mean, what's a better night than seeing a kid from uh, Ireland, among others, uh, St. Paddy's Day in New York? It's, I mean, you talk about there's the party, then there's the fight, and, and this is certainly a party and a fight. It's going to be really, really fun. Gabe? Uh, you know, I, I think the March 31st speaks for itself. Joshua Parker, probably get in while you can. Uh, but uh, there's a card I'm just curious about your, your opinion on. Uh, StubHub Center, you know, the mega mecca of, of all action fights. Uh, Eris Landy Lara versus Jarrett Hurd. Uh, what do you think about that, the location? And, and uh, do you get in early or do you, do you wait? I mean, we'll see how they price it. I, I'm very surprised. I mean, I said when I first announced the fight that was going to happen, it's like that is a perfect fight to put in Maryland at that uh, new MGM resort. And maybe the place is a little bit small. Who cares? Then charge a little bit more money. Pack the house. I think Jared Hurd is a very exciting fighter. I think if I'm on that side of the fence with his his handlers, they got to want him to win because I think he's a lot more marketable than Lara. He's a lot younger than Lara. He's a lot more exciting than Lara. So why not, you know, why not make the fight, put him in his backyard, give his fans, and there's so many good fans in that, in that region, in that D.C. area, why not give them, let the local kid, a world champion, shine against a, a big-time opponent? So, I mean, I don't know why it's at StubHub. I mean, I can imagine what time the start's going to be. It'll probably be like one of those 1 o'clock starts or something crazy. But um, we'll, we'll see the once person... that's all sorted out as far as the details. Uh, somewhere there's you know a reporter that's going to one day unravel the mystery of Al Heyman and the way he picks certain fights and, and venues because it doesn't make well, a lot guys, of sense to me. Here's my theory: is that Laura is still considered I don't know maybe the A side. And again, back in October when they had that triple header of 54 pound title fights, he was still the main event. Okay, I'm not saying he's the bigger draw, but he's been given that status. Maybe Laura didn't want to give up home canvas advantage by going to the D.C. area because Heard's from Baltimore. And then Heard maybe didn't want to go to Texas. So maybe L.A. is thought of as neutral ground. And maybe I was thinking people will remember the uh, Angulo-Laura fight, which was actually a pretty good fight, and Laura almost lost. And and I I think that actually this fight's going to go a lot the way that that one went, except uh, Heard's going to stop Laura late in the fight. Jim, moving. Oh, uh, yeah, go ahead, Jim. Excuse me. No, I was going to say it would be interesting how it sells because it, it is. A, I like to fight, and I like. I like. I think. Yeah. I think Jared Hurd is an extremely entertaining fighter to watch. So I think you know, we'll see if it drives the market. Let's see how they build the card. I mean, that's going to certainly help. Yeah, and Jim, speaking of Washington D.C., the MGM National Harbor, someone tweeted it out there, and I've spoken to someone that works with Isaac Dogbo. That fight with Magdaleno, April 28th, will be at that venue. So you have Ghana against Mexican-American from Las Vegas and D.C., which, quite frankly, that doesn't make a lot of sense either. We have to be but fair I've about never, that. I, I, that that's, I, I read that today, too. That's the first I heard about that. Is that confirmed, or is that just, is that just talk? Uh, I have a very good source that says that's almost a done deal. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So, 
And the guy reporting it is from Africa, seems to have a lot of followers, seems to be a pretty reputable guy. So, you know, I have no reason to doubt that. But, again, that doesn't seem to make much sense either. Uh, Jim, May 5th, I think we're all assuming that Golovkin Canelo 2 is going to be at the T-Mobile in Las Vegas. Now, you're a pretty connected guy. What is going on with Mayweather McGregor? Is he going to try to go up against them? or force them off that date, or be, become a, bo- a bogey again to that event? Well, I mean, I don't think they can force them off the date. As far as I understand, Golden Boy does have the hold on that weekend. So okay. there's, there's no issue with that. I think there's a bigger issue as far as a potential conflict with television and hockey in the Western case, uh, Western uh, Conference playoffs, which I don't huh. think there's an issue if they have a hold. But, right. um Listen, whatever Mayweather's going to do, he's going to do. I can't imagine him getting in the octagon. And I think this time around, Oscar would be very well served not even talking about it. Focus on his own fight. Listen, this is a great fight, a great rematch. We have everything from the first one uh, with the controversy. So, you know, as boxing fans, we asked for it. We got it. We can't complain. So let's hope it's at the T-Mobile because, as you mentioned before, it can't be in Texas. New York isn't realistic with the taxes. So, Let's get it on sale. Let's get it going and get the promotion started. I mean, this is really something that should have started a while ago. I mean, they're not behind the eight ball. Obviously, they got a lot of time. But for something as big, they, they should really be, you know, getting everything, you know, everything rocking and rolling. And it's a good shot that they're going to possibly announce it, like the information after Superfly. But it's going to be it's going to be a big weekend. I'm, I'm very excited for it. What do you think the pricing is going to be? Uh, probably there'll be 300s that the public will never see, 500s the public will never see. Uh, sevens and eights will probably be available. Uh, then lower levels will be kind of like last time. What was it, 1,500? I'm trying to remember. Uh, 1,500, 2,000, 2,500, and then 5,000 uh, for the rings. Hopefully they don't go to 7,500 on the ringers, but who knows what their thought process is. Um, listen, the problem with Vegas, and I know it gets, it gets a bad rep, and it's not because of the casino buy, because, listen, the casino gives a guarantee, but the casino is not buying a lot of the seats that the public should have access to. Someone has to tell Oscar and those guys, just open the seats up on the on sale. You know, brokers are always like, well, why do you want to encourage that? I'm like, I don't want to corner the market. The best market we can have is when the true boxing fans have an opportunity to buy tickets at face value on the on sale. I do not understand why promoters want to do a four-city tour around the, around the country or around the world in this case and promote the fight. Certainly a person cannot buy a pay-per-view, you know, three months in advance. Why do you spend the money to advertise your fight and then not put the tickets on sale? It does not make sense. If Golden Boy just allows tickets to sell, put them all in there minus what you got to hold, minus what the hmm. casino has, you're going to see a market that's that much stronger. You're not going to have people bitching saying, oh, it's Vegas again, I couldn't get a seat. Give the public an opportunity to get the seats. Let the seats get into public hands, and you're going to have a lights-out event where everybody has a good time, and it's just a better way of doing business. And that's something that you know, promoters are getting better at doing, but once they get to these big fights, suddenly they get cold feet, and they get cocky, and they forget what got them there. Sell the tickets. Hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts? You know, they, uh, The PBC uh, goes back-to-back on Showtime, uh, at the Barclays Center, uh, April 21st, with uh, Broner Figueroa and uh, G- Gervonta Davis versus somebody 
on the undercard, and then Jacob Selecki and Big Baby Miller versus uh, Johan Duapis. Uh, is it going to be all about pricing? Because uh, this seems, I mean, I think the, the, the Brooklyn card sounds, uh, you know, with Jacobs and Miller, two Brooklyn fights makes sense to me, but the other one, not as much. What, what are your thoughts there? It, it, it's definitely going to be tough. I mean, once again, you get a market that's that saturated, you really got to price it for it's not a once in a lifetime opportunity because you can go, you know, the week afterwards. I'm right. a little surprised with the uh, April 28th card as far as kind of the kickoff for the Triple G uh, Canelo fight. I thought they would have wanted to do something a little bit more high profile. Uh, that right. being said, I think I think the card is going to do pretty good. That you know they got um, local promoters are going to be helping the card. Um, uh, Dimitri Salida will definitely be all over that. He definitely grinds it out. He's got Big Baby Miller. So as far as the local marketing, they got a guy that definitely knows what he's doing. But, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it, it's tough when you go back-to-back cards, and we saw that last year at um, at the theater at the Garden where you had three fights back-to-back and really only one of them performed, and that was uh, the Lomachenko uh, the Lomachenko card with um, uh, Rigando. So, right. yeah, and, tough, and, I mean. And, and, Jim, to your point, the opponents, Sulecki and Duapa, that's HBO. That's the Hearn box office. Yeah, right. I, I, I'm sorry, that is unappealing to me. Honestly, it really is. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, the week before the big one, well, you want people to be watching that weekend before and see some great fights and be like, man, next week I really want to like you watch that for free, and then it's like, okay, now I want to kick down and spend money on uh, on the Triple G fight, you know, the rematch. Why don't they make it, a, you know, something really exciting, something that on paper that could be exciting at least, where it's going to get people really, you know, in my opinion, the best thing they could do is, and I know it's not going to happen, but if they could do Linares versus Lomachenko the week before the the Triple G fight, the the rematch. Yeah. Let people see let people see that and get a monster crowd for that and then it's like then you then you really wanna go after, you know, the the next week as far as the pay per view. But it's you know, I'm I just sell the tickets, I don't do the scheduling. Speaking <laughs> of that fight, if Lomachenko Linares happens at a at a solid venue and they do a good job of pricing the tickets, does that do well, Jim, in your view? I think it will make my first half of the year. I think it will be absolutely off the charts unbelievable. I think Agreed. that, listen, I, I just, opponents matter, as we've said like four times now tonight, but Lomachenko's <laughs> becoming that guy. He's becoming that must-see TV, and now he's facing not only a great fighter, but someone is kind of has that mystique with him also as far as his style and his speed. And, I mean, you talk about, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dream matchup, in my opinion, at this point in both their guys' career. It, it's the perfect time, the perfect fight to make, and they got to make it, and hopefully they make it this year, and they, and they make it next. So it's, I think everybody involved will be very happy, and it, it will be a, just a shining light for the sport to put that together. Agreed. So, Jim, listen, next week, dinner. We'll, we'll have a good time for Superfly. should be a and great you know, week, I'll, I'll, I will see you. Uh, I'll see you Friday. I'm going to go out to – I'll be in Ontario for the, uh, for the Thompson. Oh, ah, okay. Absolutely. Gabe, a, anything, anything else for Mr. Boone? No, no, I'm good. Uh, I, I won't see you guys next week. But, uh, Jim, it's, it's always a pleasure, man. I, I like getting the lowdown from you. Yep. No, I appreciate being on. It's a lot of fun. And, um, like I said, in this day and age with the business, more and more people just go to the big box – internet retailer for the for the tickets which is fine because my seats are listed on those sites but you kind of lose the fun of talking to true boxing fans and the show certainly has turned that around as far as my phone ringing guys that want to go to the fights want to talk boxing so it's 
it, it, it's a pleasure, and I, I, I enjoy it very much. All right. Awesome. So, Jim, I'll see you in a few days. Definitely. Take care, guys. And that was Jim Boone, Mr. KO Tickets. You can find him on Twitter, at KO Tickets. And he's someone that really does like to uh, interact with you guys out there interested in the sport of boxing. 347-215-7598. If you want to tweet at us, please do so, at Steve Ufi and live and at Gabriel underscore Montoya, and there are a couple of tweets that I want to get to here. Hold on for one second. But you know what? Let's take a call, and I'll fish these out. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go overseas. It's, uh, I think, country code like 52 or – I don't know. Did you hear the, the prompt? You're live on the next round. Hey, what's up, Steve? Hello? Yes, who is Hello. this? Hey, what's up? This is Agustin from Mexico City. Agustin, welcome aboard. Hey, uh, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on Jaime Munguia, the guy fought on this Saturday in on the Berchel versus the guy from Ghana card. Oh, are you guys yeah. I, listen, I'm a big Munguia fan. I think he's Margarito-esque in a lot of ways. But, again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Fernando Beltran, they understand what they have and what they need to do. They want to get him with an American trainer, and they want him to face better, more athletic sparring partners but he's heavy-handed, he's tough, and he can go to the body. He can attack that body as well as any young fighter in the sport. And he's only 21 years old. I really like his upside. He does. He has a, a beautiful left hook to the body. Yeah, and um, it makes a lot of sense because here in Mexico, there isn't a lot of great sparring for him at, because he's that big, you know? I know that Surdo Ramirez does the same thing as well. He trains here in Mexico, but then for the sparring part of the camp, he always goes back stateside. So that's where uh, that's exactly what Munguia um, needs to do now to make that jump. And I hope um, Sanfer and um, Fernando Beltran know what they have in their hands because this is a kid looks pretty promising and seems to be the, the, the future of Mexico's boxing. 21, like you said. Yes, and it will be interesting. I, I know that the preference for Beltron is one Freddie Roach. So let's, let's see where they take that process. Uh, Augustine, you you got a lot of background noise. We're, we're going to cut you off here. Thank you for the call. Uh, Gabe, here's a tweet from Matavia Golovkin. With the World Boxing Super Series last week being on YouTube, free to everybody, the production is next level. The promotion, even without an American fighter, we all constantly talk about it. They are constantly posting about the fight and fighters. Do they really need a TV deal? You know, maybe not, but I got to tell you, for a lot of people who aren't going to be home, who have other things to do, it it, it is a very, very convenient thing to be able to DVR the fight and kind of watch it on the biggest screen possible. That's my view. I I always prefer that, you know, to, to, to see it on the big screen, but uh, you know, I'm also a person that's like on the go a lot, and and I'm I'm in this this play that I'm doing until March 10th. So I appreciate being on Team Stream. You know, when they put it on Facebook or YouTube, and I can just have my my laptop with me and and just watch it. You know, because um, I, I just gotta you know I, I just keep up the fights and and watch them live. It's always better live. You know, but uh, yeah. yeah. And I think to his question though, yeah, I mean they need a TV deal just because you know you need more money to to keep the thing going and to get. The beauty of this was like these guys weren't the most high-profile guys in the world, but you're going to, in order to keep that going in each division, you're going to need more money and you need more exposure. Even at the end of the day in in 2018 with all the cord cutting, 
traditional television is still the most viewed uh, platform. Now, will right. that change in 25, 50 years? Maybe, but as of right now, <laughs> television is still the way to go in, in terms of reaching your broadest audience. Here's a statement from Boxing Brave. Abel Sanchez would make Mongia a fighting machine. You know what? I don't disagree with that, but I, I, know, I know this. Gabe, Big Bear is not for everybody. Certain nope. guys like it. Other guys, they want to go right back down the hill after about a week. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that's the difference, right? I mean, some guys uh, are able to, to put that away. I mean, Chris Ariola came up the hill, went by, right back down. Victor oh, Ortiz went up the hill. I'll never forget. Chris felt like he was being held hostage. I mean, literally, <laughs> he flat out said that when this camp is over, I don't ever want to come back up here again. I'll never forget that interview. <laughs> Just the brute honesty. I said, how, how is it up there? Chris, he said, oh, my God, it sucks, Steve. No, seriously, it sucks, man. It sucks up here. I was like, wow. Thanks for the honesty. Anyway, 347-215-7598. Gabe, who's next? Um, actually, I don't know if, if you caught this. It came out a few days ago that ESPN is going to come out with a new app. It's going to cost yeah. like five bucks a month, and and you'll be able to watch stuff and I think be able to stream stuff. And I'm not sure if you can be a cord cutter and do that. It sounds like it's it's kind of a either an add-on or standalone. I, I couldn't determine, but yeah, it, it, within a year to two years, we're going to be watching TV regularly this way. So uh, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how. Uh, you know, what kind of TV deal you could put together that, that say is just on an app and what you could charge people, what people are willing to pay for. That adds up five bucks a month on different things. But uh, I don't know. They're doing a great job in terms of developing content. Uh, those little mini documentaries, the, the World Boxing Super Series comes oh, up with. Are great top watch. notch. Yeah, top totally. notch. Really. So uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Four, two, three. Uh, you're live on the next round. Hey, fellas. It's Matt in Winston-Salem. How you doing? Matt! What's up, man? Long live Randolph Childress and Brian Piccolo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you haven't pulled that one in a while. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, two things. Uh, first, I have Eubank uh, KO round nine. I think I'm going to go round nine. I think he's just going to have too much, and he's going to be too consistent or too busy. Um, okay. Second, You're on the record? Second, this is, yeah, yeah. Second thing, this is a deep thought, and I'll try and I'll make it quick, but I promise it's relevant. All right. Floyd Mayweather keeps popping up in my Twitter and he's always like, and he's in some luxurious kitchen or ballroom or something. And he's standing there alone. Cousin Sal. Cousin Sal. Yeah. Or Cousin Roy. Cousin Roy. Cousin Roy. Cousin Roy. By the way, that's a great Twitter handle. Cousin Roy. Have you, have you checked out that feed? It's hilarious. (laughs) I'm not. I'll have to, I'll write that down. Um, I reflected on this, and people keep saying things like the loneliest man on the planet, you know, because he, he's just there with all his money. And I was thinking about this. All right, did you see that South Park where Cartman, for some reason, comes into an amusement park that is all his? Like, he's no, somehow I haven't. <laughs> no. It's hilarious, man. Anyway, real quick, he, he gets an amusement park all to himself, and he won't let his friends in, and he just rides the roller coasters all day. And their their <laughs> friends get mad at him, and Kenny or someone says, "Cartman, you know you're going to realize that you're just a lonely, you're just a lonely person, and all this you can't buy happiness and all that stuff." And then it cuts to Cartman, and he's like riding the roller coasters and the merry-go-rounds, and he's like, "I'm so happy!" And it's the joke <laughs> is that Cartman is so 
Carmen is so shallow and selfish that that really is true happiness for him. <laughs> 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 no one else. So I think that's Floyd, that might be Floyd Mayweather, you know? He's I have a serious got, statement, though. Mm-hmm. If you are a fighter under the TMT Mayweather Promotions banner, what, what are you thinking about a guy, and, and I have no problem, that Mayweather wants to go into the octagon and put it on May 4th or May 5th against May, uh, Golovkin Canelo, that's his prerogative. Uh, honestly, we, none of us have to buy anything. This is a free market capitalistic society. But if you are one of those fighters that he promised, I'm going to make you into a star, our focus is going to be on you, we're going to market you and promote you, there has to be a part of you that says, oh, Floyd, I thought you retired. How about my career that I put in your hands? Why is, why is no, that not brought up by anyone else with access over there? Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. There was an interview with uh, Leonard Ellerby this week where he was really contentious. There was a few reporters that, you know, uh, Marcos uh, was kind of going at him, Viegas, uh, and just asking about Gravante Davis and, and, and facing, you know, Lomachenko. And, and, you know, Leonard was doing his typical kind of hostile uh, and, and kind of just avoiding the question uh, and just saying, those are going to do what we're going to do. And I just, you know, it's really all just about Floyd. And, I call Floyd Black because everything's about him. Even if he's managing your career, it's somehow about him and what he's doing. He, you know, I, I just don't. Uh, I agree. Yeah, with I Steve. saw I that interview. That not, yeah, where Ellerby said at least three times, Gravata Davis will be the biggest star in boxing. Okay, so they're projecting ahead, but since winning the title, where he looked very impressive against Jose Pedraza, he was shipped off to England to face William Walsh. Then he was an undercard fighter where he missed the weight and lost his title. And now he's an undercard to the underachievement bowl between Figaro and Broner, right? Yeah, um, I mean, you contrast yeah. that with Danny Garcia, or Danny uh, <laughs> Jacobs, rather. And Danny Gar- Jacobs has left the Heyman University, still being advised by him, but signed a contract with HBO, signed with an, a promoter. This is my promoter. And now he's on his second fight. We don't like the fight, but we can see a plan. He's back, you know, fighting at home, back on HBO, and relatively soon after his last fight. That's what having a plan looks like in a real promoter. And Gravante Davis's career right now uh, looks like uh, what happens when you have Floyd Mayweather, uh, Black Trump, as your promoter. Yeah, I wonder Brump? if his fighters. Never mind. <laughs> I wonder yeah, if I his said fighters... Brump. B-R-U-M-P. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> the. Um... I feel bad for. I knew you'd enjoy that one game. Yeah, it is. I mean, what would it take for them to leave that stable? Because I mean, I'm. It it would be great if some of those guys would just, you know, say no thanks and go with someone else. But is it? But you know, but but Matt, I I, again, I I believe they're like cult members. Okay, and and I've said this about most of the PBC. Do you ever see what happened to those people that tried to leave Guyana? With that congressman from San Francisco, and I don't think it's that grave, but cult members are very loyal, and they end up in burning houses in Waco. <laughs> yeah, I went deep on that one, that didn't day. I? Went deep yeah. with that one, yeah. huh? <laughs> I could talk about Waco for a while, but, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't put them in with Jonestown, but I digress. Uh, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, uh, uh, they don't – I don't see an admittance that, you know, maybe my promoter's not quite doing – uh, right by me at this point, any wrong, and that you you know you can't really criticize Floyd or get any details out. It's just like we're doing this, but we um, need the evidence suggests otherwise. 
What happened to Sal Rodriguez? Hmm. There's a guy that Top Rank was developing, and he had a shot to do something. I think he was good enough to win a belt, okay? Fought one time last year, nearly got knocked out by a Mexican journeyman on Showtime, I believe, in like February. Hasn't fought since. Hmm. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Matt, anything else? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, All right. Uh, Matt, thanks, guys. thank you for the call. Call Christian. us again next week. By the way, you know what Waco stood for, right, right Gabe? You ever heard that what? joke? No. We ain't coming out. Oh, wow. anyway. Uh, wow. <laughs> moving, moving, on, <laughs> moving on to the fight review. Uh, we talked about M- M- Miguel Burchelt. Looks like he's going to be fighting Miguel Roman, who also won this past weekend, knocking out Aristides Perez in three. Hank Lundy, speaking of streams, uh, beat Chop Chop Corley from Philadelphia. Enjoyed that from Fight mm. Night Live. And Gabe, uh, what I wrote about today, Roy Jones' decision, Scott Sigmund at age 49. I hope this is the end. Gabe, when you look back and I say, Gabe, give me your thoughts on Roy Jones' career and legacy. What is it? Uh, kind of overhyped. I, I didn't like uh, some of those mismatches that he had for a guy as talented as he was. Uh, I think Gerald McClellan's injury did a lot to him. They were they were close, but also they were probably going to end up being competitors. And I think that that would have been a guy that had been very dangerous for for Roy at some point or at several points. You know, he could have helped define Roy, uh, but it was not to be. Um, I, so I, I guess the overall feeling of Roy is like what. Uh, I wanted that didn't happen, like a, a rematch with Hopkins, a rematch with Tony. Uh, I'm not blaming them all for, for those things not happening, but, uh, you know, it takes two to make a fight. Uh, and the Darius Mikulczewski fight, more than any other, uh, I really wanted him to define himself with, with those. And huh, instead, interesting. We, got, we got the Rockettes uh, and uh, the time he played basketball the same day, you know, he, he fought somebody. And Method Man and Red Man, you know, um... <laughs> It's amazing that the very same people that just live and die by the linear title, when it came to Darius Mikulczewski and Roy Jones, they weren't pushing that agenda. Huh. Um, Roy Jones was a spectacular, sublime, once-in-a-three-generation talent. He did things I don't think I'll ever see again. Truly was an amazing talent, but, but, and I pointed this out, there there are holes in his resume. Certain guys he didn't face. And he was really a guy that leveraged his HBO deal. And the, I, I believe the jock-sniffing nature of certain HBO executives to his advantage. And he started the trend of, of, of fanagers, as I call them, living vicariously through fighters, almost dissuading good fights from happening. Uh, and, and, and it carried on over to Floyd Mayweather. So... Listen, I appreciate Roy Jones for what he once was and what he did, uh, but um, when, you, when you start saying, is he one of the greatest ever, you know what? It's hard to say. I certainly think he is one of the most talented uh, of this past generation. It'll be a long time before we see anyone quite like him. Okay, moving on to the fight preview. Uh, speaking of streams, me and Beto Duran are back Friday night, Ontario, from the Doubletree Hotel. Um, Erica Tuarte takes on Jose, not that Ramirez, and also young prospects Ruben Villa, Sal Sanchez, and Ruben Torres. Gabe, Thompson Boxing is starting to sign some really good young talent in the past. They've been about the reclamation job and the guys kind of taking off the scrap heap that they polish and shine up. 
I like some of these young prospects that Alex Campanova has put on the dotted line. I think they're going to make a good run here. Well, I think Alex has always had a nice eye for talent, you know. Um, yeah. Maybe it, but you know, promoting and, and, and boxing, uh, you know, on that end, like developing talent, uh, training talent, uh, it's like panning for gold, you know. And so they, uh, and I think also being ready to make the, those kind of investments, make those kind of moves, and that's what Thompson is right now. I, I love that this scrappy little company is also one of the best streamers in the game, uh, and that, that you know, and, and has turned that into a, a consistent part of their promotion package. Uh, so I can't wait to see it. They've announced 11 shows, and my understanding is they're going to announce a few more. Now, think about it. You're right. It's a small, scrappy little company. Meanwhile, Rock Nation was what? Worth a half million dollars, that whole conglomerate at least? They can't even put on a club show. Folks, it ain't that easy. It takes more than just money. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. We got twenty minutes going into bonus championship rounds. Gabe, who's next? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is like uh, you know the, the Bruce Tramplers and Alex Campanovas don't don't grow on trees. You know, it, it takes uh, years of uh, of work. You know, Don Shargan, guys that have that sharp eye. Uh, I've always liked that company. They're a company of integrity. Seven zero three. You're live on the next round. Hey, gentlemen, good evening. How you guys doing? Good. What's going oh. on? Is this CJ? Hey, yeah, CJ from DC. CJ, you where have you been? What's going on with you, man? Yeah, where have you been? I've been, com- been out of commission for a little bit, but I'm back into it. I've been listening to the show on Archive, though. So, CJ, on, what's man. on your mind? All right, I got two questions for you guys, uh, maybe even three here. Uh, I don't consider myself to be a conspiracy theorist by any means. But my first question is this, and this is to both of you guys. From Luis Ortiz, do you guys know how important is it for him to be the first Cuban heavyweight champion? And before you answer, the reason why I ask that is because I was listening to some uh, other BS podcast, Billy C. Boxing, in fact. I was listening to him the other day. And I know he was listening to a show. He said something about that Luis Ortiz, or he's hearing rumors that Luis Ortiz might got a payoff. Because money is more important to him, and you know that a lot of the times the Cuban fighters are in debt. And the reason why I give it a module of us credibility is because it's it's, it's a little weird. And I wonder if you guys agree. How huh. so? Wait a minute. Comes- there are there's already accusations that Louis that Louis Ortiz is going to take a dive. I fool! Wow. Okay. I I don't know what to say about that, Gabe. Your thoughts? I I think, you know, I, I I'm not. Uh, it's hard for me to comment. I like to hear the the, the comment, but uh, you know, to denigrate a guy and say he thinks about money. You know, everybody's in this business for money. Nobody's in it at the professional level for free. Uh, it, it, I mean, you know, a guy comes from a communist country and you're accusing him of caring more about money than the average Joe in capitalist America. Uh, you know, uh, but. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Why would it be a crime? No, and, and, but but I, I will say this as someone who is a conspiracy theorist. I am the Asian Oliver Stone. The <laughs> point that I would make then isn't the real money in winning the heavyweight title. Yeah, I would think so. You would think you know, so. I, yeah, I, yeah. Because I, CJ, the rematch. Listen, CJ. I believe that Deontay Wilder is going to win this fight. Fairly handily, because I think he's just 
too athletic, too young, and I don't like the fact that Louis Ortiz decided not going up and doing the Remy Corchemny uh, physical conditioning up there in Northern California. I think he shortchanged himself. And I don't think he's going to have enough foot speed to land enough punches. So, but, but, again, that doesn't mean I think that Louis Ortiz is not going to give an honest effort. I certainly hope he does. And, and Steve, listen, I agree with you in game. Nor am I trying to denigrate Louis Ortiz because of where he comes from. I don't yeah. believe that. The only reason why, what I do find a little odd is that Deontay Wilder, and I've never seen him do this before, and obviously we all know he's trying to get the Joshua fight. He is literally talking past Ortiz. Now, we all know, and I think a lot of boxing fans consider this to be his biggest fight, meaning his toughest competition. I agree with you. I think he is going to win the fight. But I find it weird how he's already talking about, you know, uh, who he's going to fight next. And then if he doesn't get Parker, then he's like, if he doesn't get uh, Joshua or Parker, he's like, well, then, you know, I got, uh, uh, was it Brazil, I think it is. He's he just seeming to be like he's talking past him to a point that I go, I've never seen him do it to this degree. And it's almost like he knows something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what he, one thing to that could be that he knows Ortiz is getting tested and being tested. And, and, and even while he was trying to clear his name after being, uh, you know, after the whole uh, debacle began uh, with the high blood pressure medicine, they were extensively testing him. Uh, all through that period as well. So maybe he's just thinking this guy's going to be naked in terms of, you know, he's not going to have his normal program. I don't think he was on a program, but maybe that's what Wilder is thinking. And so he's able to look past him. Like, I'm going to blow through this guy. Uh, I mean, that's one, that's one theory, but uh, yeah, I'll have to look at, look at that, how much he's talking. Uh, and he talks a lot, you know, Wilder. It's kind of part of his thing. Could also be who's just asking the questions. Yeah. So uh, CJ, what else is on your mind? My last question, and I guess, Steve, this is to you. Can you guys tell me what has, since the, you know, the whole Heyman side of the fighting, has, has um, Showtime or even Heyman, have they offered anybody that's a non-Heyman fighter to come nope. fight on there that, and it wasn't a mandatory? No, they haven't. And I wrote about it last year when I heard, like, the usual spin from these Tim Smith puppets, oh, we work with everybody, right? You, you work with other people when they're giving you clear high paydays on their platforms, like Julio Cesar Chavez with Canelo, Gennady Golovkin with Danny Jacobs, but it's never reciprocated. And, you know, I, I, when Lou DeBella says, they work with everybody. No, they don't, Lou. And, in fact, on all your dates, Lou, you've never had a single fighter from another promotional company in one of the headline spots. Yet he'll beg for Felix Diaz to be the B-side to Terrence Crawford. I guess what comes around doesn't go around. It's an interesting world we live in, CJ. Yeah, hmm. it's, it's, it's sad that you're the only one that's reporting that because I, I find that whenever you hear these Heyman fighters get interviewed, and it's no fault of their own, say Lou DiBella, because I hear him from time to time, and he'll talk about what non, you know, the non-PBC side but he never says that, well, we made an offer and they decided to do No, well, you know, let's be fair, fair to, for Lou. That, that's not his money to offer. <laughs> let's be very honest yeah, about it. True. He's <laughs> every bit the employee that the fighters are. But, um, yeah, I remember last year a couple stories came out, and it initiated me to say, wait a minute, let me look at the validity of this. And I just said, no, the, the fights that are happening – which are out-of-conference games, uh, to put it that way, 
They're all on one side of the street. You know, uh, I don't see a lot of cooperation in terms of the PBC trying to make fights with other promoters, unless it's on the other side of the fence where their guys are getting career-high paydays, which is fine. But again, are you helping the sport by being so insular? That's the question. All right, listen, I appreciate the answers to that. Enjoy the show. All right, CJ, thank you very much. 347-215-7598. Gabe, anyone else on the line? Uh, Let's go 209. You're live on the next round. Hey, guys, how you doing? Good, what's up? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm coming late, so so I probably didn't hear uh, what you guys had to say. Um, but but uh, this Friday's fight, actually, uh, not Friday's fight, the uh, free fight on Fox. Um, I probably w- won't even watch it, man. <laughs> I mean, really? I, I don't know. How, Why not? Uh, f- well, for the Devin uh, 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 Alexander and the uh, Ortiz. Um, honestly, I'm not. Um, I like the PBC fights that they put on Showtime. Where they where they have the star versus superstar within the PVC uh, realm, um, but anything other than that, I mean, I really don't watch the PVC. <laughs> well, well I, I, listen, I, <laughs> I mean, listen, it's 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 out there for for me and Gabe. It's kind of our job, especially me. It's it's okay. It's something you're gonna have on television. And let's face it, there's there's no football on for the next eight months. <laughs> What else am I going to watch? I, don't, I mean, honestly, to the NBA Finals, I'm not watching any of that either, okay? Uh, it, it, uh, and I think yeah, you know, that, like, the Showtime card is pretty explosive in, in some regards. Uh, Rodriguez, Lionel Thompson could be a real action fight. Uh, Argenis Mendes is, is rarely boring. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Ray Robinson-Ugas fight might be good. Uh, you know, that could be a little bit of the stinker there. But uh, I think Gavril Benavides Jr., the rematch, is going to be off the hook. And Rios is not boring. That's the, uh, 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 that's the Showtime card, right? Yeah. yeah that's the Showtime well, card. Well, you know, oh, but, okay. I, I, but honestly, one of the best young prospects in the sport will be leading off the Fox card, Carlos Balderas. I think oh, he's okay, got a okay, huge okay. future. That's right. So you may want to watch him and then, you know, take the wife out for dinner, go to Chuck E. Cheese, and come back a couple hours <laughs> later for Showtime. Maybe that should be the plan Saturday night. <laughs> you know what? I think I'll do that because – because I honestly didn't know he was fighting on that card. Yeah, and, he got out last week. Very bright oh, future okay. with him. Okay, okay. I think I will watch that for, for that particular reason. Um, I'm looking forward to the Showtime card, and I'm looking forward to the ESPN card, um, and I'm really looking forward to the World Series uh, uh, championship boxing card. But, but that's going to be like in the daytime, right? The, the main event will kick off around 2 p.m. Pacific time, just like the other ones. Okay, um, and where will, will they be streaming it on? Are, are, they will are they be streaming it on, it on the World Boxing Super Series YouTube page and their Facebook page. And to their credit, Gassiev against Dortico's crystal clear stream. I thought they, they did a okay, really okay. nice job production-wise oh, on that. Okay, you, you know what? Uh, the only complaint I have about the World Series uh, boxing was really their streams, since they weren't really available to the United States. Um, I tried doing it on the website, and they cut off or they weren't available. But I'm, I'm going to look them up on YouTube. Um, yeah, see how uh, that look, is. I, I I gave out the links on Twitter last week, and I had both of them going just in case. Didn't have a problem. Did not okay. have a problem. 
That's the hey, best uh, place. That's where guys... I got the I got the links last week. Was off of Steve. Okay, okay, I'll try that. Hey, what do you guys know of uh, of the uh, uh, ESPN first pay per view? Well, I think a lot of people are going to be pissed off about it. <laughs> That's what I think. That's really a sentence I never wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I look, look. It, if it was, if it, Crawford Horn, I get. Okay, that's a mandatory fight. Crawford uh, is, is an elite talent. Horn just beat Manny Pacquiao. He has a title. If Manny Pacquiao was fighting Matisse, I'd be, you know what? I'm fine with it. Mike Alvarado in 2018, uh, that, that's a hashtag groan for me. You know what? I, I, I agree. If he was fighting Matisse, I would buy it. But since he's fighting Alvarado, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, check the radio wave, see if it's on the radio or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Listen. Uh, okay. Anyway, in, enjoy Carlos Balderas before you take your wife out to Sizzler on Saturday night. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, guys. All right. All right thank you. All right, all right. Uh, we st- we have what uh, eight minutes remaining on the next round on the Leave It In The Ring Radio Network with Gabriel Montoya and Steve Kim. Gabe, anyone else on the line? Uh, I do. Uh, before I get there, just uh, you know, a little housekeeping of uh, if you've gotten this deep in the show, uh, you, you you have a serious boxing addiction. Uh, but you you know you may want to be a part of the show uh, through our Patreon, uh, through uh, the, the Leave It in the Ring Patreon, where you can you know pledge a dollar or a billion dollars, whatever you want uh, monthly to help support the show, uh, pay for things like the router I bought because the computer that powers this show died uh, right before the show. Uh, so, you know, things like that, it really helps us out. Uh, but also if you just want to, you know, uh, help us get up in the ratings for podcasts, give us a review on iTunes or audio boom or wherever it is that you listen to the show. Uh, not just like a star rating, but also writing a review really helps us out, uh, to attract other, uh, advertisers and just another shout out to Jim KO tickets. Cause he is the top, uh, Patreon this month. So, uh, with that, uh, let's close it out with nine, seven, eight Jimmy's corner on the next round. Jimmy! Hey. What's Roll going up the stool. How you doing? Hey, it's last call at Jimmy's Corner. Last call. <laughs> nice. I right, just take your time. On, guys. Six hey. minutes. Just enjoy. <laughs> well, well, listen, Gabe. I'm going with you. I'm going to go out. Uh, I think. I think I'm going to go with Gassiev. I know that was you guys were talking about that in the beginning of the show. I'm going with Gassiev over uh, Usyk. I think he's going to take him out. I think. I, I just. I don't know. It's just a gut feeling. I'm not going off anything other than that. Other. Than, I just think. I don't know, there's something about that kid. Did that really, like you touched on, that impressed me that he was carrying that power. But then again, I wasn't that surprised because of the whole Abel thing. You know, he brings his guys. He's, it's a professional gym, and those guys act accordingly. So, um, you know, that's to be expected. But uh, listen, he just hey, looks I would like rather a rock that would take forever oh, to hit. Yeah, right? You know, like exactly. if you hit it with a sledgehammer or like the that stump in the movie Shane that they can't get out of the front yard. You know, you're just not going exactly. to knock him over easily. Exactly. And that, like I tell everybody, like, and I, used to, and I used to do it when I was young and stupid. I used to, like, when I had people come over to the house, and, you know, guys watching a fight, I'm like, listen, you guys think it's that mental, everybody has that thing in their head where they think a glove stops so much of the impact. And really all it does is cut it from the bleeding. You know what I mean? So, you know, and I used to spot guys a couple of weight class above me, and people don't realize getting hit in the fucking arms hurt. And when a guy like Cassiev hits you, I don't care where he hits you, it's going to hurt. And people think it's always going to be, I mean, so I can just see him hitting. If he goes in, if he's smart and starts getting in, I would pull some Salido shit. I'd be cupping him in the fucking up above, you know, on the other side of the ref and the hip. 
I'd do anything I could to slow him down a little. But, um, and, uh, oh, yeah, getting to this weekend, honestly, all kidding aside, I can't believe, listen, when Danny Garcia fought Matisse back in 2013, I caught that, and, you know, I was like, wow, a fucking southpaw from Philly? This is great. And here we are. And all he's done is lost just once on the book since then. And I would rather fucking brush my teeth with a Brillo pad than fucking sit and watch that idiot fight again. <laughs> I swear to God, dude. Wow. On, and it's listen, it's because to me he epitomizes everything that's ugly with the fucking once a year bullshit. Mickey told me straight up years ago he would say he would get all itchy. And I'm like, what's up, dude? And I'm like, Mickey, just fought six months ago. He's like, yeah, but God, dude, if I don't get in there, it really affects me. And you know what I mean? And and this was back when you know he was saying that after just six months he was starting to panic. And these guys just act like oh once a year they think in their brain that they're at this level. They read enough people on Twitter telling them they're fucking great, and they believe it, and they think that can carry. Boxing is is like any other professional sport. If you're not doing it at a high level continuously, and look at Danny Garcia fighting one schlep after another, getting gift decisions, fucking letting his father run his dick suckers, and him just sitting there with that goofy smile, and now look at him. One loss, and he's a shell as far as I'm concerned of what he was in two, you know, 2013. I just, he disgusts me. Everything about him disgusts me, but as you can tell. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. Wow! You know now, I mean? do you give Rios any shot, though? Do you think he's too far gone oh, no. physically? No, no. Listen, Rios, like you said, Steve, you touched on it. You said it, and I said, "Fucking right." They find Jesus too late. It's like when they realize it's slipping away. Okay, wait a minute. I'm not gonna fucking no. I'm not drinking and doing coke for three straight days anymore. Between you know what I mean? I'm yeah. gonna buckle down. It's too late, dude. That that ship has sailed. And, and when you depend on saunas. And, and fucking starvation to get in shape, you're done. And he's done that too many times. And just as bad as the beating up in the fight, when you strip your body of all those nutrients and time and time again, that takes its toll. So just physically, like, in, like for instance, like you say Groves just come a weekend. Groves to me, he's 29, but he's like an old 29 to me. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like he's been around forever, and he hasn't been the same since Frotch. And if, like I tweeted out, if Groves... I mean, if Eubank wants to impress me, if he's got he's to win big. I just don't think – I think if he takes a decision off him, he's just not going to be the fighter he wants everybody to believe and his father wants everybody to believe he is. You know, that's just my opinion on him. But um, You know, when I see Eubank work out, he loves to put on that flashy show of these thousand punches and 98 punches in 10 seconds. I would be more impressed if these guys could actually do it in a real fight. Now, I think – Eubank has a lot of tools. Let's see if he can actually execute it in what will be the biggest stage of his career. Absolutely. And, you, and the same thing what you just said about Caleb Plant. He's another kid. You know what I mean? It's all flashing no substance. Like, do something. Get in there and get in a fight. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's like they're acting like they've already made it before they're even discovered. You know? It's just it's insane. It's just, if he has a problem... Gabe, if he has problems with this version of Porky Medina, he ain't that good. Seriously. And uh, just a last note on uh, Garcia Rios, according to USADA's website, which stays up to date about testing. Neither guy had been tested in the first quarter of the year, so I don't believe there's any testing for that fight. 
Jesus Christ. Oh my God. That's an invitation for disaster. But no, I, and I, and again, it's part of my anchor towards Danny's because I, I really liked him. I like, I, you know what? Like I said, I'm, we lost to a Philly team. I like Philly. Um, I have always liked the Philly fighters. I like the fight culture out of Philly. Just it's always been big to me. So when I saw him, you know, a southpaw and a kitchen crack. Oh, you got there. All right. So listen, you got to fucking go, brother. All right. I was just um, letting Steve so No, I, I was I was up on I was up on him. So I was really high on him just to see the way he uh, his career went, and he and he did it to himself. I mean, anybody with half a brain can sit back, shut their mouth, look at how Tom Loeffler, what he did with that kid from Kazakhstan, and look what fucking Al Heyman did with two hundred fighters, and enough said. Enough said. You know what I mean? Well, Gentlemen, Jimmy, just we'll wrap it up yeah. with this. He only had a half billion dollars. Jeez, get off him. Anyway, <laughs> Jimmy, thank you for the call. All right, well, we're out of time here, folks. I want to thank everyone that called in. Of course, Jim Boone, our special guest, on behalf of David Duenas and the rest of the Leave It in the Ring radio network. For Gable Montoy, this is Steve Kim saying goodbye, everybody.